Hi everyone, this is James Eek, and you are listening to Season 3, Episode 117 of the Warrior's Way Podcast. And thanks for tuning in, and like I honestly 100% mean that when I say it, by the way. It's one thing to do these episodes that I hope add something to your life that is awesome, but it is another thing to know it. And I've been hearing lately from a bunch of you letting me know that you're there, which is amazing, and that this podcast actually matters to you. And I can't tell you how much that means to me. If you can imagine, I am sitting somewhere far away from you, locked in a closet, no lights on. (laughs) No, that's not how it works. But I'm doing this by myself. And it means so much to hear from someone from around this awesome world of ours that this thing is, you know, really shining a light. And that's why I started it. And that's why I keep doing it. I love when I hear from all of you out there, whether it's a question of the week, or if you just want to say hi and that you're listening. I mean, honestly, who wants to have a one-sided conversation? <laughs> There's plenty of people to walk around talking to themselves, but I'm not that cat. Um, but really, that's what a podcast can be. Just, you know, someone talking to the emptiness. And I don't really want that. So for all of you that have taken time to give it a five-star review or pass it on to other people that there's this crazy podcast that you love or dropping me a line and saying thanks. It means a lot. So thank you very much. Um, And before we get to this week's podcast that's on dealing with innate and ever-present fear, I just want to take a few more minutes. And first off, like I said, thank you for listening. And the other is that my whole goal of this podcast, just like my in-person teaching, is honestly and always has been just to spread some light in the darkness. That's my purpose. Now, speaking of teaching and part of this two-way conversation, I have started up this thing called the Warrior's Way Online Training Program. If you haven't heard of it yet, if you have, bear with me. <laughs> um, you can access it from our podcast website. And if you haven't gone there, please do check it out. Made it myself with a hammer and nails. It is www.warriorsway.ca. Um, and it's just a, it's another branch of what we're trying to do here. The Warriors Way Online Training Program, it's a virtual dojo that I've created filled with all kinds of things that I do to stay in shape, improve my mobility, my meditation practice, breath work, and of course, practicing the martial arts. There are online classes, instructional videos on a whole lot of things, and a whole bunch more. I've honestly worked my butt off putting the thing together And I'd love for people like you to join me there. Um, Basically, how it works, and all this is laid out on our website, if I'm talking too fast. But basically, you choose from three membership tiers. There's BASIC, which is basically a weekly martial arts fusion class that you get access to. And my thought being that you work away on what works 
out to, if you did it every week, six months worth of virtual classes in this fusion martial art that I have blended from about 10 different systems. And then the next tier, you get more access to a whole lot more videos. But the upper tier, you get one-on-one options to work virtually with me, as well as full access to all of the bells and whistles in the Warrior's Way online training program. So this is not just something that's awesome, (laughs) and I like to think it is, but it gives you the ability to support what we're doing here at the Warrior's Way podcast. You get to work with me to get the most from your training in your life, and honestly, just have fun doing it. Uh, So what I'd like you to do is take a couple minutes and head over to warriorsway.ca and get in touch with me. And we can see what works best for you. And to be honest, I'm super excited to offer this. And it is something that I have been working on, the, you know, kind of how to do it for about a decade now. And, you know, it, uh, it took me about a year to shoot the videos and get the thing to where I wanted it to be, to kick it out the door, so to speak. And it's out there now. Just started up a few months ago. So try it out. And by the way, I think this is pretty cool. I have started adding book lists to the website. You know, books that I myself have found life-changing and ones that I think you should read. If you buy them from the the warriorsway.ca website, and you just click on it, and it takes you to a place where you can buy them. Um, we get a little bit back to help support all the things I try to do for you. So please check it out and pick up a few books. You'll be glad you did, and it helps me keep trucking along. Because like I said, that's part of the two-way conversation, and two-way conversations work best. So let's get one going. Oh, and one last thing before we get this thing on the road again. If you haven't gotten your COVID vaccine yet, people, get out there and get it. If you want to stop this thing in its tracks, if you want to get back to some kind of actual, real, normal life, that's what we have to do. It helps people out. You might not think that you need it, but other people need you to need it. So, put your selfishness aside, put your tinfoil hat in the closet, (laughs) and go get your shot. I've had two. I'm still alive and kicking and doing all the cool things that I do. Okay, I just need everybody else to get it done so we can get back to something and get rid of this thing before it mutates and messes up our lives some more. So... Not to put, you know, fear out there when this whole podcast is about getting past fear, but (laughs) get your vaccine. Just do it. All right. Here we go. The Buddha has many names. He's called the Enlightened One, the one who thus comes and goes, the Conqueror, the noblest of all humans who walk on two legs. He's also called 
the fearless one because he has seen through all the causes of fear. His awakening moment coming suddenly after six years of intense meditation shows him that there is actually nothing to fear. Fear, convincing as it may seem, is actually a conceptual mistake. What is there to be afraid of anyway? Fear is always future-based. We fear what might happen later. The past is gone, so there's no point in being afraid of it. If past traumas cause fear in us, it is only because we fear that the traumatic event will reoccur. That's what trauma is. Wounding caused by a past event that makes us chronically fearful about the future and so queasy in the present. But the future doesn't exist now in the present. The only moment in which we are ever alive. So though our fear may be visceral, it is based on a misconception that the future is somehow now, and it's not. The present might be unpleasant and even dangerous, but it is never fearful. In the full intensity of the present moment, there is never anything to fear. There's only something to deal with. It's a subtle point, but it is absolutely true. The fear I experience now is not really present moment based. I'm afraid of what is going to happen. This is what the Buddha realized. If you could be in the radical present moment, not lost in the past and not anxious about the future, you could be fearless. If you are suddenly threatened by an intense-looking guy pointing a gun at your head, you will likely be frozen with fear. But even then, it isn't the appearance of the man and the gun that you're afraid of. It is what is going to happen next. It's true, though, that in the moment, you're not thinking about the future. Your experience is immediate, body-altering fear. Your reaction is biological. You can't help it. As an animal, you have survival instinct. So when your life is threatened, your reaction is automatic and strong. But you are a human animal with human consciousness. A problematic condition, but one with possibilities. It is possible that you could overcome your animal fear. There are many recorded instances in the scriptures of the Buddha's life being threatened. In all such cases, the Buddha remains calm and subdues the threat. Though the stories may or may not be mythical, they certainly intend to tell us that we are capable of overcoming their survival instinct and remaining calm even in the face of grave danger. The truth is, in many dangerous situations, the ability to stay calm will keep you safer than your gut reaction of fight or flight. But what if your life weren't actually being threatened? What if only the only thing actually happening to you was insult, disrespect, frustration, 
betrayal, but you reacted with the alarm and urgency of someone whose life was at stake and continued long after the event to harbor feelings of anger and revenge. In that case, your reaction would be out of scale with the event, your animal instinct for survival quite misplaced. You would have taken a relatively small matter and made it into something much more unpleasant and even more harmful than it needed to be. Impermanence is the basic Buddhist concept. Nothing lasts. Our life begins, it ends, and every moment that occurs between this beginning and ending is another beginning and ending. In other words, every moment we are disappearing a little. Life doesn't end suddenly at death. It is ending all the time. Impermanence is constant. Although we all understand this, when we think about it, we seem not to be capable of really taking it in. Buddhism teaches that behind all our fears is our inability to actually appreciate on a visceral level the truth of impermanence. Unable to accept that we are fading away all the time. We are fearful about the future as if somehow if everything went exactly right we could be preserved for all time. To put this another way, all our fears are actually displacements of one great fear. The fear of death. These days, we have fears that seem to go beyond our personal fear of death. Climate change is a catastrophe. In the fall of 2018, we had a terrible forest fire in California. Even as far away from the fires as the San Francisco Bay Area where I live, you could smell the smoke. You couldn't go outside. The air was so bad. But even worse than the experience was the thought that this was the future. This is how it's going to be from now on. There are going to be more and more fires, hurricanes, typhoons. The ice caps are melting, sea levels, and summer temperatures are rising. The planet is slowly becoming uninhabitable. Now, this may or may not be true. But there are good reasons to fear that it is true. So we feel afraid not for our own death, but also for our children and our grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren. What will happen to them in the future? I have a friend who's a great outdoorsman and environmental activist. And some years ago when the U.S. government was just beginning to become active in denying climate change, my friend got really upset. He was upset about climate change realities, but even more upset that people weren't paying attention to them. They were denying or ignoring climate change because the government was casting doubt. Here we were in a desperate situation. Something needed to be done right away, and the people were going on with their ordinary business as though everything were fine. And my friend was in despair over this, and he would tell me all about it. As the years went on, his despair and upset grew and grew. One day when he was telling me about it, I thought, this isn't actually about climate change that he's upset about. And I said this to him, and he got really mad at me. I didn't really know what he was upset about, 
but it seemed to me that although he believed it was climate change he was upset about, actually it was something else. He stayed for a while and eventually said, you were right. So what is it you're upset about, I asked him. And he said, yes, I'm upset about climate change, but I didn't realize until you brought it up that there is something else I'm upset about. I'm getting old. I can't climb mountains like I used to, and who knows how long I'll be able to ride my bike for hundreds of miles or do all the things I love to do, and I'm upset about the climate, but what makes me feel this anguish is that I'm scared of my aging and dying. The planet is under threat, real threat, and so am I. So it may be true that the power of our fear always comes from our fear of endings. Our own ending being the closest and most immediate of all endings. When we think of the world of the future, we can feel sorrow, grief, and disappointment that we human beings cannot reverse course and do better. That we seem to be unable to solve a problem we ourselves have caused. But fear is different. Fear is desolation, desperation, anguish, despair, and sometimes anger. Grief, sorrow, disappointment are quiet feelings we can live with. They can be peaceful and poignant. They can be motivating. When we feel these feelings, we can be more compassionate, kinder to one another. We can be patiently active in promoting solutions. When we understand the real basis of our fear, we can see through it. Will our lives end? Will the world end? Yes. But it was always going to be the case. All difficult moments occur in the present and the present moment, no matter what it brings, is always completely different from our projections about the future. Even if what we fear about the future actually comes to pass, the present moment in which it occurs won't be anything like the moment we projected in the past. Fear is always fantastic and always fake. What we fear never happens in the way we fear it. There's a traditional Buddhist practice to contemplate beginnings and endings called the Five Reflections. The reflections gently guide the practitioner in meditating on the fact that old age, sickness, and death are built-in futures of the human body and mind and that no one can avoid them. Life begins and therefore it has to end. And being subject to beginning and ending, life is inherently vulnerable. The point of this meditation isn't to frighten. Quite the opposite. The way to overcome fear is to face it and become familiar with it. Since fear is always fear about the future, to face the present fear and see that it is misplaced is to reduce it. When I give myself over for a period of time or perhaps on a regular basis to the contemplation of the realities of my aging and dying, I become used to them. I begin to see them differently. Little by little, I come to see that I am living and dying all the time, changing all the time, and that this is what makes life possible and precious.
In fact, a life without impermanence is not only impossible, it's entirely undesirable. Everything we prize in living comes from the fact of impermanence. Beauty, love, my fear of the ending of my life is a future projection that doesn't take into account what my life actually is and has always been. The integration of impermanence into my sense of identity little by little makes me less fearful. The reflection on beginnings and endings is taken still further in Buddhist teachings. The closer you contemplate beginnings and endings, the more you begin to see that they are impossible. They can't exist. There are no beginnings and endings. The Heart Sutra, chanted every day in Zen temples around the world, says that there is no birth, and so there is no death either. So what does that mean? We are actually not born. We know this from science. There is nothing that is created out of nothing. Everything comes from something. It's a continuation and a transformation of something that already exists. When a woman gives birth, she does not really give birth. She simply opens her body to a continuation of herself and the father of the child, to their parents and their parents before them, to the whole human and non-human family of life and non-life that has contributed to the coming together of pre-existing elements that we will see as a newborn child. So there really is no birth. This is not a metaphorical truth. If no beginning, then no ending. There is no death. In what we call death, the body does not disappear. It continues its journey forth. Not a single element is lost. The body simply transforms into air and water and earth and sky. Our mind travels on too. Its passions, fears, loves, and energies continue on throughout this universe. Because we have lived, the world is otherwise than it would have been. And the energy of our life's activity travels onward. It circulates, joins, and rejoins others to make the world of the future. There is no death. There is only continuation. There is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Whoa. So that is an excerpt from the book, When You Greet Me, I Bow, Notes and Reflections from a Life in Zen by a man by the name of Norman Fisher. I will put a link on uh, the website on how you can get a copy of the book. So here's something to think about. What are you afraid of? What fears occupy your mind, even unknowingly? I want you to think about it. And don't tell me for a second that you don't have any fears, because frankly, you're lying if you tell yourself that. Here's what I want you to do. 
spend a day keeping track of all the things that come into your mind that have even the slightest tinge of something fear-based. This means things that you're afraid to lose, things that you are afraid to let go of, most of your anxieties, probably a good chunk of your motivations too. For instance, you might work out like crazy, but while this is definitely a positive thing that I don't want you to stop, you might be doing it because you are trying to keep old age away, sickness away, or negative images of self. All of this is actually fear-based thinking. And personally, I think some fear-based motivations are actually positive and working out to keep yourself healthy and biologically young for as long as possible is definitely one of the best things you can do to improve the quality of the time you have here. So don't stop that. I'm sure not going to. But I understand where it's coming from. So what I want you to truly examine is your life and be honest with yourself and examine the things going on inside of you. See what comes from or fueled by fear. Now, don't judge it. Just examine it. Write it down so at the end of the day, you can see a bit more clearly what the truth is for yourself. And here's the thing. Whether you are you or me, or some sage sitting in a cave meditating all day, we are stuck clinging to our views of ourselves. The big view of me, with a capital M. This view of me is something that we have been each indoctrinated with since we were tiny, and we cling to it like it's the only thing keeping us sane and safe. The thing is, it is all a bit of a convoluted bunch of BS that we tell ourselves and believe. Some of us believe that we are our job and our career. Heck, there are tons of people who go out of their way to remind us of all the things they did in their career that somehow should mean something to us. Think of all the people who tout themselves as somehow cut above because they are a doctor or a politician or some special forces person or an actor or a singer or whatever else. If you think about it from a Zen or just a common sense perspective, what the heck does any of that have to do with you or how you should truly see life and your place in it? It doesn't mean anything. You can't tell me that because someone did X, that they are somehow far greater than someone who quietly picks up your garbage. For that sake, the garbage man may well have some far deeper insights into not just their own life, but reality as a whole than Mr. Special Forces or Mrs. I'm a PhD. Now, I'm not saying don't listen to these people. I'm just saying that belief in our own hype is from a certain perspective, completely ludicrous. And we can fall into the cult of personality worshipping these people. So, if you aren't your job, or your education, or your whatever you want to fill in the blank here with, what the heck are you? (laughs) Well, to be honest, that's the best question you could ask yourself to get started on truly understanding your place in this universe. Look at your hand for a second or two. 
Just look at it. Is that hand you? Now, what if you didn't have it anymore? Are you now less because you don't have that hand? Now take that same experience and travel throughout your body. Is any of the physical aspects that you would believe yourself to be actually you? Hmm. Mind blown a little, right? That's good. The thing is, our physical view of ourselves is part of the whole delusion of the capital M me. This me is actually something that has never, ever remained constant. Think back to a year ago. Are you honestly the same person you were back then? What about a week ago? If you're catching my drift, you'll start to see that this view of me isn't all that solid. This me has changed every single day. Though more accurately, it has changed with each moment in the present, in the now. Yet we all cling to our view of this capital M, me. We live in fear of letting go of it. We live in fear of letting go of all of that. We live in fear of there not being a capital M, me. Here's a little whisper of a secret, though. There never was any real capital M, me. It's all just smoke and mirrors that we have brought into being. We've brought it within us. Within us all, though, is something else. If you learn to practice stillness, and if you learn to sit and breathe and let go, with time, what you'll find is that there is something hidden in there that is actual truth. And that is truth, by the way, with a capital T. It's <laughs> a lot of capital letters. What you'll find is just as there is this illusion and delusion of a capital M me, there is also a capital I, I. This I is an aspect of you that touches the universe, that's in contact with all things in all places in all times. It's been called a whole lot of things, a whole lot of different names, but don't get yourself too caught up in that. Keep it simple and just understand that it is there in the background. And it's the aspect of you that is at peace. The aspect that feels the interconnection between the world around us and what lies deep within us. It's that part of you that will suddenly smile when you're sitting outside and your thoughts drop away for a moment and you see a leaf blowing in the air or a butterfly, a butterfly fluttering by you or sunlight dancing in the dust. And you might think, wow, this guy sounds like he has somehow transcended fear. <laughs> but anyone who tells you that they have transcended fear totally is probably full of it. Or full of something else. Or 
some enlightened being. We all have fear. I'm sure that even the most enlightened among us still have fear, at least to some degree. What they probably have in equal measure, though, is the ability to see it for what it is and either let it go or turn it into something to help them become more liberated. I might have mentioned before that during the height of COVID, I had a period of time that was deeply existential and wasn't exactly fun. (laughs) If you haven't heard, I saw vividly the mortality of not just myself, but every single thing around me. And I'm talking about my home, the trees, the backyard, the dog, you name it. We were all going to be dead. And at first I was like, eek, what the heck is going on with your brain? And I didn't like it. And I fought against it. Then I started to understand that my training brought this up from the mud that lays at the bottom of the pool that is that me with a capital M. It was fear of losing not just the things around me, but the fear of losing myself. As with all deep transformative experiences, this one hasn't completely gone. It still drifts back to remind me of the reality of life, the impermanence of all things. Here's the thing though, what it taught me After a lot of sitting, a lot of letting go, a lot of questions and swallowing the answers, is that truly all we have is right now. And it is all we have ever had. Now. And it's a huge gift. When we were children, we lived in the now. That is why afternoons playing seemed to last forever. And the same with summer vacation. It was because we let go of thoughts of the future and fear and were simply 100% in the now, enjoying the sun, enjoying our games, enjoying our lives fully. At some point, we replaced all of that with fear of the future. Dwelling in the past. Afraid of everything people might think. Holding ourselves back until all there was left was fear that we didn't really want to ever admit to. So we just bury it. In the mud. Fear, though, is darkness. Fear grows into other things. What we need to do as people who are training on this path is to let it go, to breathe, let it go. Examine that me with the capital M and all that you cling to. What is its purpose? What false faces does it wear that you no longer need? Examine that I with the capital I that dwells beyond that. Where is it? What does it say to you? If we want to let go of our fear and find out what this universe is truly about and our place within it, we have to do the work. And it won't be easy at first. But it is a path of small steps. You'll succeed lots, 
you will fail tons, but just stick to it. Understand that there is nothing at all to fear. Everything in life is change, constant, unending change. And all that there truly is, is right now. In this now is everything you could ever need, but you have to embrace it. You have to love it. You have to appreciate it and give back all you have to it. Here it comes. Are you ready for it? Right now. (laughs) You missed it. It's gone. You missed it. Okay, how about right now? Question of the week. Comes to us from Mika. I like that name. Thanks, Mika. I've been trying to set up a meditation practice for the past few months and still find myself distracted. Pretty much every second that I sit until I give up and get up. Do you have any tips or tricks to help? I don't know if I have any tricks. (laughs) First off, great job on dedicating yourself to getting a meditation practice going. And I know I mentioned it a lot, but if you're serious about training, and I mean real training, you need to learn to sit. You need to learn to breathe and you need to learn to be still. What you were finding out is that just as I probably mentioned more than a few times, it's hard, like harder than most people will ever realize. We start meditating and we realize that our minds dwell in some pretty weird places. We will sit and veer off into fantasy about pretty much anything you can mention, literally. Or we will find our minds picking at something like something you don't want or something you don't like, whether it's a person or an experience or anything else. And we will physically fight the sitting with this need to get up, this need to move. Sounds will sometimes drive us nuts. An odor will bother us and make us want to stop. And sorry to break it to you, but this won't go away. What will change, though, if you stick to it, is that your ability to let go of these different hindrances will improve so that regardless of what is happening, you'll just sit still. What I've found is that if a distraction comes into my mind, I'll examine it like I'm fully witnessing it. I'll say, I'm perceiving myself perceiving that dog barking. Then I'll watch it. I'll watch the experience for a few seconds. Experience it. Really take it in and see that it is just that. A perception that is temporary and I will let it go. The same goes for pretty much everything. The one thing I will say is you should pay attention to, especially for newer people to meditation, is physical pain. If the way you're sitting is causing you very real physical pain, and I'm not talking about your foot's just falling asleep, or that you don't really like sitting still, then maybe see if you can't find a way to sit that doesn't hurt. Because there's tons of different ways that you can, you can meditate. You don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor. Meditation shouldn't destroy your knees or ankles or hips. So my advice is that when you get distracted, when you want to call it quits, tell yourself, I'm going to sit a bit more. 
You're going to breathe and you're going to let go. And tell yourself that. Just replace the stuff going on in your head with breathe. Let go. Breathe. Let go. With practice and with time, what you'll do and what you'll find is that you can do exactly that. Breathe and let go. So if you need more help with this, please don't be afraid to reach out. And any of you, not just Mika. I might not be able to help you totally because you have to do the work yourself. And it's on you to get there. But I'll do what I can to help. And that goes, like I said, for every single one of you listening. And I think that's where we'll end it. So please do not forget to check out our website, www.warriorsway.ca. Take a look at the Warrior's Way online training program. And if you're interested, drop me a line and I can fill you in on the more details, answer your questions and figure out what works best for you and get you, get you started. If you want to support us, of course, Warrior's Way online training program is a great way. Um, like I said, we have on our website some books that you can pick up and we get a small cut. We also have a Patreon page. And if you just want to follow us on social media, like some social media stalker, (laughs) Uh, that sounds terrible, but that's kind of what it is. Um, (laughs) You can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook. Just look for the Warrior's Way podcast. Uh, You can also find my martial arts school, the Eek Academy of Martial Arts, too. So until next time, folks, again, thanks for tuning in. Drop me a line, say hi, give us a five-star review, tell your friends and your enemies and your frenemies all about the podcast. And as always, train hard, have fun, and be a good friend in all the ways that that could be. Really think about what that means, being a good friend. And I mean to everything and everyone. Thanks a lot.